Hey friend, what's up? My name is Christy and welcome to Awaken the Extraordinary, the Storyteller Series. So I don't know about you, but I love learning about people and really life in general through other people's stories. And I think it's total BS that we have celebrities and entrepreneurs that are everywhere telling us stories about their lives. There are plenty of people just like you and me that have stories worthy of telling. And I think talking to people like you and me make the stories more relatable and really more impactful. So the Storyteller Series is a space for you and people like you and me to share their story or at least one of them, because we all have so many freaking stories that make up who we are. So prepare to be encouraged, inspired, moved, or entertained, or, you know, maybe all of the above. So uh, let's get this party started, shall we? On today's episode, on today's episode... I chat with my friend, Tina Cash. So I actually met Tina years and years ago. So do you remember that narcissistic ex that I talked about? Well, when he was on deployment, I joined a military wives group, even though I was not his wife, thank God. Um, I needed support for just the time that he was on deployment. I wanted to connect with other women who experienced that, experienced the challenges of being away from someone they loved and cared about, or in my case, thought they loved and cared about. So Tina was married to, well, she still is married to um, a guy named Lex and Lex was in the Navy as well. And um, she was part of this group. So I connected with her and actually a couple of other women and, um, we developed a friendship and I'm so thankful for that. Um, both she and her husband are just like super awesome people. And they moved from San Diego a few years ago to Monterey where she is from. And Tina shared recently, um, on social media that she has had, um, challenges getting pregnant. And I know that is not unique to her. Um, I have known many people and have another close friend that has experienced that same challenge. And I reached out to her and extended the invitation to come on um, because I know how isolating this type of experience can be. And while I think, no, while I know women know that other people experience this, um, I, I think there's not a lot of conversation about it. And so I wanted to provide a space for her if she wanted to talk about her experience I wanted to provide that space for her one, because it was actually a conversation that she and I had never had. Um, I didn't know the details and I also wanted to, to let someone who may be listening, who is either currently experiencing this or 
has experienced this challenge in the past and has worked through it um, to know that they're not alone. And again, consciously, we know that, but I think it, it helps when you know that other people have experienced something similar to what you've experienced. Um, because I believe we are all connected and it just feels good to know that other people, while you're not happy for their experience, it helps you feel better knowing that you're not alone when you are experiencing this struggle. And I extended the invitation to Tina and I was very happy that she accepted it. Um, honestly, I was surprised. I didn't know that this is something that she, um, was comfortable being so open about. So I really appreciate her doing this. Um, again, if it, if it helps one person feel less alone, or if it helps one person feel more comfortable with the decision that maybe they made to not pursue IVF and just accept the situation for what it is at this particular moment in time, then both Tina and I are glad. So I invite you to um, listen, whether or not you are personally experiencing this or have experienced this in the past. I think it's a conversation that um, everyone can benefit from. So as I said, before I hit record, I really appreciate you coming on Tina to have this conversation. And, you know, as, as we said, I think more people are speaking about it now, but I feel like um, it's still, it's still like somewhat taboo. Like people still feel just like uncomfortable for whatever, whatever reason. And I think the more we talk about it, I feel like the less alone people will feel. Um, but before we get started and all of that, um, I'd love for you to just share a bit about your background, like who you are a little bit about your husband, maybe how you, you guys met, um, and then just kind of, yeah, like just bring us to when I guess like kind of everything like started happening for you guys. Okay. Um, so I'm Tina. Um, I'm born and raised in Monterey, California. Uh, my husband was in the Navy. We met when we were here in Monterey. Um, we were 19 years old. We were super young. Babies. Um, <laughs> we were so young. Um, and we, so we got married here. Um, and he got stationed in San Diego. So we moved down to San Diego. Um, he was still in for two years while we were down there, but we loved San Diego so much. We decided to buy a house and kind of build our roots down there. Um, so we were there for seven years. Um, and now we're back in Monterey, um, but everything kind of started while we were, we were in San Diego. Um, so I'm a teacher. Um, and I work with little ones. I work with, um, I'm at a daycare, so it's six weeks all the way up to five years and I'm kind of all over the place, but I you're so with- brave. I couldn't <laughs> do that. <laughs> I just get it. Really most days <laughs> it's really hard, but it's, I, I love it. It's my passion. Um, so 
working with kids, I never really wanted children of my own, honestly, like Lex and I had talked about it even before we got married and neither one of us was like really hard either way, like whether we wanted kids yeah. or not, like if it happened, it did. If not, we were fine with it. That's how I felt too. Yeah. And um, I don't know, we just kind of got to a point after we bought our house and, you know, we'd been married for a couple of years and we were like, you know, we want to start trying, like we want kids of our own. Like I go to work every day and take care of other people's kids all day. Like I can do it, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. Our own? And it just kind of got more serious. So we started trying um, and we tried for a while. Like, I want to say, I don't remember, like, now that it's been so long, it's been about eight years now. Okay. Um, but when we first started trying, I want to say maybe like a year and a half or two years until I finally called a doctor. Cause I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was in denial. I just didn't really know like what to do. I was like, you know, we've been trying, we were young. We were only like, we were in our mid twenties. That's what I was going to ask is because I know like you guys are younger than me. And so I was, that's what, that was going to be my next question is like, how old were you guys? So yeah, I get, I understand that. Yeah. We were probably in our mid twenties. Um, and so I finally was like, you know what? I feel like I need to call a doctor. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like we don't have a family history of infertility. So like on either side, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just kind of like odd, like there's nothing really, and there's nothing, you know, going on with me that I know about nothing with Lex. Like we've never, we're healthy people. So did you have friends like your guys's age that were already having kids? Um, a few, yeah, Yeah, we had a few, we had quite a few that were also newly married and, you know, didn't have kids yet, but we did have a few that were having children. Um, did you talk to them at all just to see like, Hey, like, I mean, or maybe you didn't even have to, like, maybe you just knew it didn't take them very long. Cause I know, I know some people are like, Hey, we're going to try. And they just think about it and boom, they're pregnant. So like, did you, did you ever have any of those conversations with your friends? Like before you made this decision to reach out to someone? Um, not anything like super serious. Like Mm -hmm. I talked about it with some of my coworkers, um, and they, you know, told me some stories about friends that had dealt with infertility. Um, I of course talked to my mom about it. Like her and I are very close. So, um, talk to her about it. And, you know, of course, as a mom, she's like, it'll happen. Don't worry. Yeah. Take your time, relax. Everything will be fine. You guys will have kids. Um, and, but never like a heart to heart with anyone else that was going through it or like, you know, even really good friends. I just kind of kept it to myself besides like talking to those couple people that I talked to and like my mom and stuff mm-hmm. and my sisters. Um, so then I finally, like, I kind of looked it up, like, you know, how long should you try before you call a doctor? And so it said for if you're a little bit older, like you should wait six months. Um, but if you're younger, you like try for up to a year. And I'm like, well, we're way past that. Well, and that, and I think I find that interesting too, because like when we started trying, I was in my late Uh thirties and we tried for over a year and I was like, 
you know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure maybe at some point I would have called a doctor, but that's fun. Like, it's interesting to, to hear like six months. I'd be like, oh, I was over. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, and that's why I was like, I, you know, I was going into this totally blind. Like I had no idea. So that's why I looked it up. Cause I'm like, I don't know. It just seems like not very long. I mean, but like you said, you know, some people it's like super quick and yeah. it takes a little bit longer. Um, and before that, I think probably about two years or three years, um, up until that point I was on birth control. So, mm-hmm. you know, then they say that that can also have yeah. an effect, like it could take a long time to come out of your system and all that. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's been long enough. I think, you know, a couple of years, like, <laughs> yeah, that should be fine. Like I, I, I mean, I, I don't, don't like quote me on this, but I thought it was like six months, like six months. I think I was like off of it for a year, like just to like err on the side of caution. So yeah, two, two years is probably really <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I finally called and that was the hardest part for me because like I said, I wasn't really in denial, but it was like admitting that exactly having issues. It was mm-hmm. just one of those like mind things. So, um, it was, I was at work. I was on one of my lunch breaks and I, I think I'd like looked up the phone number and I, so I'm like sitting there, I'm like dialed the number and I'm just sitting there like, do I really want to call? Maybe we'll just try a little bit longer. I'm like, no, like what? So I guess like when, because I totally understand like admitting that something's like not working out the way you guys want it to, but I feel like that would like the anxiety that I would have over that would probably be different than what you have, like similar, but different because we're different people. So it's like, when you have that anxiety, like, are you able to like figure out like what, like what that what that meant, like what that was about for you. Like if you're, if you're calling for help, like, what does that mean? Like, yes, something's wrong, but then what does that mean to you? Right. So I mostly, so I really just wanted answers. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. what is going on? Like, if there is something wrong, I just want to know what it is. Like, is Mm -hmm. it fixable? Is it something that we can you know, is there, is there a medication for it? Like, is it yeah. not permanently, like maybe we need to look into like adoption or something like that. Um, so that's mostly what it was. I just wanted to know what was going yeah. on. Um, so, so I finally called and I like, <laughs> poor lady, I'm sure this happens to her all the time because, you know, it's a really sensitive subject yeah. for someone that's not, has no idea what's going on. Um, so I called and I started talking to her and I didn't really know what to say. And so I just like, I started, I'm sure she could hear me, like the tears just started. I'm like trying to hold them back. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just calling, you know, my husband and I have been trying to conceive for, you know, however long, a year and a half, two years. And we just, we have it. And so I'm just calling to see if I can make an appointment. And so she was super nice. And so we got an appointment, um, but it was for like, a month or two out or something. Oh, so I bet that was hard. Yes. I'm like, now I have to wait even longer. So, and then, so we finally get to the appointment day, get, you know, get through my work day and everything. Um, and right at the end of my day, we had to evacuate the CDC, um, <laughs> because there was some, I forgot what happened, but like fully evacuate. Um, and 
so I had to stay. I couldn't leave work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, you have to be kidding me right now. And so like, I ca- I'm calling Lex. I had my cell phone on me. I wasn't even supposed to have. I'm like calling him. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make this appointment because he was meeting me there after work. And he's like, you know what? Let's just reschedule it. I'm like, I think I can leave with enough time to get there. And he's like, no, just reschedule because you're not going to be in the right frame of mind. Right. Just don't. Oh worry. my gosh. And this I, is when you guys were still in San Diego, right? Yeah. We were still in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. So, and so I worked on Coronado and our appointment was over, I don't even remember where it was like in Point Loma or something like that. Okay. Yeah. That wouldn't have been a traffic free drive. Exactly. (laughs) And he was coming from Miramar. So it would have been, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nightmare. So he's like, no, just reschedule. So I had a call reschedule. I was crushed. I was like, like the day that I like go get some answers. And so anyways, fast forward, we finally get to our appointment. How, um, how long, how much longer did you have to wait for the appointment? It was at least another month, if not. Oh. It wasn't like immediate. I was like, well, maybe since I already had an appointment, they can get me in. And it was like, you know, it was something out of my control. Nope. They were like, sorry, you only have like this. That day. sucks. Fine. I'll take it. <laughs> Whatever you have. So, um, so we get to the doctor um, and I didn't know, like, they didn't really tell me what they were going to do. So we both got in there and have like no idea what was. Oh yeah. Be. I wouldn't have known either. <laughs> we were just like, I, we had no idea what to expect, what we were going to talk about, if they were going to do anything. Um, so the doctor who's super kind, like really, really nice. Um, and just kind of walked us through like what he was going to do, got our background information, um, kind of talked about what the normal process looks like to kind of go through all of the testing to see, because like they can immediately tell like, so I'll back up a little bit. So he did an ultrasound. Okay. Um, that was the first step just to make sure that everything looked fine for me. So um he looked at everything. He was like, you know, you have in your ovaries, you have like the sacks for the eggs. I see eggs, like everything looks good Mm -hmm. from that standpoint. So he's like, the next thing is getting Lex tested. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they wanted to test me to make sure that I was ovulating. So they had to do blood tests, um, at the time that I was ovulating. And then I believe right after to make sure that all of my, um, hormone levels looked appropriate for what they were supposed to at different times. Um, so we did that. And then, um, there was another test that I was completely terrified. <laughs> I, I'm that person that like, I'll go on and like Google, oh, you yeah. know, like, what is this and what's that? And, you know, people are like writing these horrifying things about this procedure. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I had to go by myself because Lex was at work and he could not leave. So I'm like, I was horrified, but I'll get to that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm dying to know like what that, what that is, but yes, I, I am the same. Like it, I go down that anxiety rabbit hole just with anything. And it's really hard to like rein it in. And I think especially I can really understand it though, Tina, because you just, you just want to know everything because there was so much you just didn't know for so long and you've been waiting so long for answers. And so I think you're just that and then your natural curiosity and then you're probably like oh no <laughs> like, why did I do this to myself 
Exactly. And like, I'm that person that like WebMDs every like I did that too. stupid symptom that I have. <laughs> yep. I, I've done that too. And everything was cancer. Everything was yes. cancer. <laughs> it's all cancer, no matter yeah. what. <laughs> um, so, so we did blood draws. He wanted to do just like basic stuff to check all of our hormone levels and everything. Um, and all of that came back normal. Um, and then he wanted to do this test. It's called an HSG test. And I forgot what exactly it stands for, Okay, but it's basically to where, and he explained the whole procedure to me, but then I still, you know, had to psych myself out and go Google it. And so he was like, basically what they do is they put dye in your uterus. Um, and then they put a balloon in like to keep it there. Um, so that way it can check your tubes to make sure that they're not blocked and then to check your uterus to make sure it's not like misshaped or like not sideways, but like there's different, like just different. Like I know that it can be tilted. Um, Okay. But that's not stuff that they're able to detect with the ultrasound. I guess not. And I guess it's more like, it's just more accurate because of the dye. Like that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they could tell like with the ultrasound and stuff like that, if something didn't look right. Um, but I think it was just to like really make sure that everything was good. Um, so he's like, you know, it can be a little bit painful. It's mostly not because we give you pain medication and, um, you know, Were you on an IV? No. So no okay. IV, but, um, they give you a, an, um, an antibiotic, pill to take like a couple days before okay. like you can take it like a couple days before up until the procedure and a little bit after just to make sure and that's what kind of freaked me out because I'm like <laughs> I was just thinking that I'm just like well that yeah I mean it's like well why do I have to take this like oh my gosh is this really going to be bad like that's how my <laughs> mind would be spiraling yes exactly and that's what I like why why like why am I having to take this so Um, and then they recommended taking ibuprofen before and after just because it could be a little bit painful. So of course, then that's when I get on Google and start looking it up and people are like, this is the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So, and you um, were going by yourself. And I was going by myself. Yes. So like, great. So I get there. Um, and again, soup, I mean, I have to say like, I know a lot of people, and I don't, I hope you don't mind me like throwing this out there, but we had Kaiser when we were in San Diego and there's so many people that have had like terrible experiences with them. And especially like with the fertility stuff, I was really nervous, but they were all super professional, really, really kind, just like mm-hmm. very, um, like accommodating to my feelings, like just really awesome people, all of the doctors and nurses. Yeah. That well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. And were- I think like, I think bedside manner is such a huge thing. And for me, I mean, with any sort of medical professional, if you, if you have compassion, like that, that just speaks volumes to me about the person that they are, but that also just like helps you just feel more comfortable, especially in situations such as this. So I'm glad to hear like that you had a positive experience with them. Yeah. Yeah. They were all, they were all fantastic. Um, so I went in and they bring me back. It almost felt like an operating room type of situation. Like yeah. it was really 
scary. And like, so I go into this huge room and they had me um, go and change. I come out. And so they explained everything to me before they even started. They're like, you know, this is what like step-by-step. And as we're doing it, we're going to tell you exactly what we're doing. Just that way, you know, um, it won't hurt. Like it, you might feel a little bit of pressure, but you know, we gave you numbing medication, like everything will, you're going to be fine. And if anything starts to bother you, just let us know. So I'm like, how did they give you the numbing medication? Was it like an injection or was it a pill or no? So it was like a local anesthetic. Okay. So, um, so before they started the procedure, they, did that first started the procedure. So I didn't feel anything. It was like, well, I bet that was a pleasant surprise. (laughs) I was was like, I was expecting this to be like the worst experience I've ever had in my life. And it was painless and really quick and it did not take forever. That's what I was going to ask too, is like, how long did it take? It really wasn't that long. Like the actual procedure itself was maybe like 15 minutes. Okay. Like it could have been a little bit longer, but I mean, it was really quick. Like they were really, really quick about it. Um, so they injected the dye, um, they put the balloon in, they took the x-rays and then they were done. Like that was it. So, um, she was like, you know, I can't tell you a lot because she was just like the nurse, but she's Mm -hmm. like, everything looks good. So I'm like, okay. So that gives me some hope. Like, Mm -hmm. So, um, and then Lex got tested also, um, and his numbers were fine. So, um, then we did a little bit more like blood work and stuff. There's a lot of blood work involved and I'm, that's another thing. So I'm like completely terrified of needles. I don't like getting my blood drawn and I was so scared, but after all of like having to do it so many times, I was like, okay, I'm a pro at this. Like (laughs) anymore, like it was just one of those things. Um, so yeah. So after all of that, all the testing and everything, we sat down with the doctor, he went over everything with us. He's like, there's like medically, there's no reason why you guys can't have children. Like nothing's wrong. There's no, like your tubes are not blocked. Your uterus is perfect. Lex's numbers are awesome. Your hormones are great. Like, you know, when we took the, um, the blood work, when you were ovulating, they were where they were supposed to be all your numbers. And afterwards they were, you know, where they were supposed to be before they were where they were supposed to be. He was like, so the only thing that we don't know is how good your eggs actually are. He's like, um, so the only thing we can do, there's a couple of things we can do. One is I can give you, um, pills or a shot that basically they make you hyper ovulate, but with that, your chances of having multiples is huge. Like <laughs> usually have multiples when you do this. So. I'm like, I'm thinking of that woman, that octomom <laughs> had like those eight kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. You could start your own daycare. Right? I know. You'd have your own. You would. <laughs> exactly. I'd be my own. Uh, oh my gosh. Client, my own customer. Oh my gosh. That'd, that'd be a lot. <laughs> I know. Um, so I'm like, okay, what's my other option? He's like, well, we could pull your eggs and see how strong they are, but that's basically IVF. He's like, and so I'm recommending that if that's what you want to do to see if your eggs are good or not, that we just do IVF. Mm-hmm. So like, Those are your two options. I'm like, well, I'm left with two things. 
that are not guaranteed for me to have a child. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know, we were kind of like, we just kind of left it at that at the doctor's. He was like, you know, I'm going to let you guys think about it. Like, we're not going to make any decisions today, but you guys think about it. Um, And if you do want to proceed either way, just let me know. So we talked about it and I'm like, you know, I've just, I've seen some of my coworkers, like I had one that it just broke my heart. Like she, her and her husband were going through the same thing. Um, And again, like I wasn't like super close with her, but I knew enough, like she'd shared a little bit with me and just seeing what they were going through. I'm like, I just, I don't want to risk it because they were, they, they were going through IVF and it was not working. It was just failed attempt after failed attempt. And they were on their last try. And she's like, I don't know, like, you know, after this, like, that's basically it for us. Like, this is our last try and I don't want to do it again. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about it, but what I do know is one, it's expensive. Um, now if I, this is weird that I know the way I know this, uh-huh. But my ex-husband uh-huh. <laughs> on with his fourth wife, uh, I was like, you're like Ross from friends. I don't talk to him anymore. But anyway, on his fourth wife, whose name is Christy, by the way, um, she did IVF, but he was still in the Navy and he said they covered it. So is that true? Like if you're in the military, would that have been covered? Do you know? I don't know. That's a good question. Cause I know for a long time it wasn't. Um, okay. Yeah, it wasn't, but I don't know. I mean, they could have changed things because at that point, Lex was already out of the military. So, um, so we were, like I said, we were at Kaiser. We were going through yeah. insurance at work. Okay. Um, yeah. I was just curious. So, yeah. So like what I know is like, it is expensive. Mm-hmm. And then someone that I connected with on Instagram was going through IVF and I just, I knew of it, but I didn't know what it entailed. And so she had like, just shown like all of the injections and the pills and the tests. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I never, I just never thought about what it involved. And, and what I thought was like really powerful too, is she had like posted a picture in a bikini and, you know, she was going through the treatment and just, she's talking about like her, her weight gain and then like the, the bruising. And I was just like, so thankful that, that she shared that because again, it, it just increased like my awareness of what the process actually is. Yeah. Well, and that's something too, that I, even at that point, I don't think I really knew Mm -hmm. everything that involved either. Um, it's been more recent, um, probably more so since we've moved back to Monterey that I've started. Cause that's when I really started sharing our story a lot more, yeah. like just having been through it for, or going through it for so long, I guess, um, that I finally, you know, wanted to learn a little bit more about it and just kind of like find other people, like even people that I don't know, like on Instagram, you know, kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I've just kind of got on there and one of the girls that I was following was following this other person that had like her, that's basically what her page is dedicated to is like her infertility and, you know, like 
what she goes through and their treatments and all of that stuff. So um, that's how I've learned a lot more about it is the same thing, just seeing other people going through it and, um, you know, seeing, like you said, all of the shots and the pills and testing and, you know, having to retrieve the eggs and, you know, all of that stuff. And it's just such a process. And I just, I mean, like I said, I knew it was a process and I knew there was a lot to it. I just didn't know that there was Mm -hmm. that much to it. Yeah. Um, So, but even not knowing all of that, we just decided that, you know, we just didn't, it wasn't something we wanted to pursue either way. Like I just didn't want to risk having multiples at one time just mm-hmm. because I was like, I don't know, like I want a baby right now, but I don't know that I want like more than one. And like, if it was two, okay, that's fine. But having more than that, like, I just don't know, especially because then we were so young and like now, you know, we're in our thirties and stuff. And I feel like we're more mature and kind of could handle it yeah. a little bit better than we could then, but still, I just, I just, I don't know. It's just something we didn't want to do. Um, And then with the IVF, just seeing people struggling with it and it just being, you know, just not working for them and their marriages were suffering from it because they're stressed out and financially stressed out because of it. Um, You know, it just didn't, I didn't want to add more because it's already, you know, an emotional situation it's already stressful enough as it is and now the fact that we know there's nothing wrong with us so there's no logical reason why we can't have a child like it's just more frustrating on top of everything else that we just yeah I'm sure so I'm like you know what it's just not like if it's gonna happen it will if not then maybe it's just we're just not meant to be parents I don't know like it's just so that's kind of the road that we've taken um and just kind of stuck with that sense and like people still ask like well now that you're back here like but if you go see another doctor or something I'm like you don't understand like I I want to just in case that doctor maybe like missed something or like there's another test I can take that maybe he didn't do at the time because they didn't it wasn't something that was available um but just going through all of that even though like it really and the grand scheme of like infertility and all of the things like IVF and all of that, like it really wasn't that much, but it was still taxing enough that I just don't want to go through it again. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. And I, that's exactly like, I feel like that's exactly what my thought would be too, is just like emotionally, like I'm probably like at capacity with everything that I had dealt with before. I mean, if, if I was in that position and it's like, do I really want to open myself like back up to that? Like I've gotten to the point where I've just accepted, like, this is what the situation is. If something were to happen, then it happens. But I've just accepted this is, this is our reality as it is right now. And I'm in a good place. Do I really want to just go through that all over again? Exactly. And, you know, and if it does come out that there is nothing wrong with us again, it's like just having to like deal with that reality all over again. Like there's still nothing wrong with us. Like, yeah, can't we have a child? You know, it's just, it's frustrating. So I just, I'm like, you know what? 
I have my fix at work. I have my babies that I get to take care of. And, you know, like sometimes Lex and I will be out and like doing stuff. And that's the other beauty. Like we have that freedom. Like we have our dogs and stuff that we always have to come home to. (laughs) They terrorize our house a lot of the time, but (laughs) you know, like we have our responsibilities, but really like we're free to kind of do what we want to do because we don't have a child that we have to, you know, if they need a nap or, you know, they're not feeling well or, you know, whatever the case may be like we still have that freedom. So like, I look at it in that way, even though like it kills me that we can't have a child. And that's just like, the one thing I want is to be a mom. Like we have that side of it, like, you know, just a positive out of it. Yeah. And I think like Tina, I mean, there's pros and cons to parenthood, just like there's pros and cons to not having a child, you know, if you want a child and that is one thing that I miss. Like I, I am so like, I feel so blessed to have Milo, um, mm-hmm. and to just have it have been as relatively like easy, like to conceive him at the age of 39. Um, mm-hmm. but do I miss like having the freedom to just go do whatever I want whenever I wanted to do it? And like, do I, I miss like working out like regularly? Like that's my, that's my big thing is like, that was just such a huge part of who I was and to do that consistently, like a a home gym here in our tiny ass house with two dogs and a, and a toddler. Like that's not, I mean, it's technically not a toddler, but that just is not happening. Like that's just not realistic because I don't have a dedicated space to go to. Um, but it's funny for me too, because people will be like, Oh my gosh. Like, do you even remember what it was like before you had him? I'm like, yeah, I I lived 39 years before I had him. So I absolutely like, (laughs) I absolutely do. And it's just, it doesn't, I'm like, it doesn't mean anything about like my love for him, but it's like, there, there are parts of my life pre Milo that I miss. And I think that's the, that's, is the beauty of having that freedom, you know, is that you like yours and Lex's relationship is probably like really strong. You guys are still Lex and Tina separately and you're Lex and Tina, the couple. And I feel like for us, so much of our relationship is actually very like transactional because it's so much about Milo. And I feel like we are Eli and Christy as parents, but we are not Eli and Christy as just Eli and Christy. And so that's, that's something that, I mean, honestly, is like a daily struggle for us. Um, so I think with any situation, there's things that are beautiful about it. And then there's things that suck, you know, (laughs) like just to be honest. So, okay. So how long from like when you, had your first appointment to when you sat down with the doctor and he's like, okay, we medically, there's nothing wrong. You have option a and option B or really option C, which is to do neither, you know, how long was that? Like all the testing and everything. So I want to say it was probably, probably close to two months because they had a track, like a full cycle and then obviously the, the HSG test had to be when I wasn't, um, on my period. Mm-hmm. So I 
think after everything was said and done from the very start to the end, it was probably a good month and a half to two months. Okay. Um, That's, that's not too long. Like it's, it's short. I don't know what I was expecting, but that, I mean, to me, I'm like, that doesn't seem too bad in terms of getting like answers, even though I guess you really didn't get, (laughs) you know, I mean, you didn't get any. So like, so how did you like you guys feel like after, after you guys made the decision that you weren't going to do either of those, like how, how did you guys feel about that? So I don't know about Lex exactly because he's very like, he lets his emotion show at certain times, Mm -hmm. but through all of this, he was very, just like, he tried to be very neutral. I think mostly for me, because he knew like, even now, you know, I still get emotional talking about it sometimes. So he was really neutral and he was, you know, very supportive of whatever I wanted to do, but I'm like, this is not just a me decision. This is us, you know? So, um, so he's like, you know, you just figure out what you want to do. Tell me, you know, cause if you want to get on a pill or a shot, I'm fine with that. If you don't, that's fine too, whatever, you know, um, I was a mess. I was just like, you know, I was frustrated because, you know, at that point we had no answers. Um, I just felt like it was so unfair because here I am, you know, taking care of people's children all day long and I can't have any of my own, um, you know, and seeing a lot of parents that shouldn't be parents, you know, are keeping their kids at the CDC all day long. And I'm probably giving them more love than their parents at home, like broke my heart. Um, so it was just like, it was a really big mix of like sad, angry emotions. Um, just because I'm like, you know, it's just not, those are not options that I really want to deal with and or like go through, I guess. Um, I mean, I don't really know what else I was expecting, you know, with all of like infertility stuff, you know, I just, I knew that, you know, those were options, um, from the beginning, but, you know, it's just like, not, I guess not. Cause you know, if there's something that is wrong, there's so many things that can be done to fix things. And then, you know, you could mm-hmm. not have a child still. And like, that wasn't an option for me. So I was just like, yeah, well, you know, it was just still a lot of like questioning, like why? why? Yeah. That you like <laughs> your, your answer was like, I mean, it wasn't like no answer, but right. you didn't go, you at least knew, you walked away going, okay, nothing is like wrong, right. but then that's almost more frustrating because at least before you had the possibility that something was wrong. And so right. if there's something wrong, exactly like you said, then there, there may be something that they can do to help, but then right. to find out there's nothing wrong <laughs> and you're just like, right, now what? like, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, like, I, I definitely I can definitely understand that. And I feel like, um, you know, when you were saying that you're spending all these time, like all this time with these kids, um, like, I feel like that, like, was that difficult for you to just initially just go back after, after knowing this and just being around all these, all these kids and knowing that this 
isn't really an option for me at this point. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, it's hard because again, like this is teaching is all I've done my whole career ever since I got out of high school. So for me, it's not, it wasn't, it was hard. It was kind of both. It was like, you know, well, this is my job and this is what I do. And I love it. I love it. But yes, it was still hard going and especially working with babies, the infants and like, you know, I'm never going to have this or, you know, there's a good possibility. I'm never going to have this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just frustrating. And then when you said to like the parents that probably aren't the parents you would like choose for this child to have, right. um, that's, what's like always hard for me too. Is like, I see people that don't, I don't know, don't appreciate like what they have, um, you know, or, or just treat their children so badly or neglect them. And then, you know, there's people like you, or I have, you know, another friend who it's like, I know you guys would be amazing parents. And like, even for me, I'm like, that's just, it's unfair, you know? And like, that's, what's like, that's, what's really hard. Um, So what about like adoption? Is that something that you guys considered? It is. So after we moved back to Monterey and we kind of got settled, um, we talked about it and I was like, you know, what about adoption? Like, it's just, we could help a child who really needs a home, um, you know, which would be a great thing. Um, and we wouldn't have to deal with a bunch of medical stuff. Like, you know, so And another thing, so my mom is adopted. So I'm like, it would just be that's cool, like a full circle type of thing. Mm -hmm. Adopt a child, like it would that would just make my heart so full, even if it wasn't, you know, an infant, just to help a child. Mm -hmm. So Lex is like, yeah, let's let's call. So I called um, our local adoption agency, um, and I talked to this lady, super super nice. But there's like all these stipulations to it. And I mean, I knew going into it, it's not like they're going to just give you a child because you can't have one. Like even if you're a great person or whatever, like, yeah, I know that it's, it's a process. It's a long process. So, um, after talking with her, um, she gave me <laughs> the rundown, which was like, oh my goodness. I don't know if like, if we're ready for all of this right now, but, um, she was like, so your chances of getting an infant are like zero, pretty much mm-hmm. like, you're not going to get an infant because a lot of people now, like we used to see a lot of young moms that would give up their babies, you know, and now it's just, it's not that way. A lot of people keep their children, you know, they don't put them up for adoption. It's not seen as it used to be seen for a young girl to have a baby. Right. So like, that, you know what? That's a good point. I never even thought about that. I didn't. Yeah, that. yeah. Yep. Makes total sense. It does. So she's like, you know, we have a lot of children that come to us that are, you know, they're a little bit older, um, you know, up until like middle school, high school age. Um, she's like, so I'm just giving you full disclosure on that. Um, she was like, so, you know, we have these meetings this day, this day, you guys would have to come sit through the meeting and, you know, we just kind of answer questions. We kind of, you know, go through the whole process of what it looks like. 
Um, she was like, another thing is that once you start the process, we don't require it, but we highly recommend that you get on birth control because a lot of families we see, they start the process because they can't have children and they get pregnant. And then it's like, you know, they're getting ready to have this child come to their home and now they're pregnant and now they're going to have two children at the same time. It's just not an ideal situation. And I was like, okay, I didn't even think of that either. So that's something I don't want to do because I don't know if that's part of why I'm not able to have children. Like I don't want to deal with that again. Um, And so, and she was trying to tell me, you know, adoption is really not that expensive. People say it's really expensive. And, but she wouldn't tell me, like, I didn't ask, but she also wasn't very, you know, transparent about what, you know, what it costs to adopt a child, adopt a child. Um, so I did some research on my own and for an adoption, it's, I mean, anywhere from, it was like $10,000 was like kind of, you know, the Yeah. I remember that because one of the companies I worked for, Mm -hmm. um, they had an adoption assistance program. So basically they're like, we'll reimburse you, um, like eligible expenses related to adoption up to $10,000. And I, and I remember I was like, what, like it costs (laughs) that much to, to give, to give a child, like honestly, like a a family, like, and I mean, I would love to see the breakdown because I just, I just don't understand. Like, I just don't understand that. I don't either. No, I mean, I don't expect it to be free, but I'm just like that. Like, how is that not preventing like really amazing people that could be like wonderful parents, but just don't have 10 grand to adopt a child. Exactly. I'm like, you know, there's so many kids out there that need a home and like, this is probably a big reason why like people Mm -hmm. can't afford to adopt a child. Um, so yeah. So after that and doing that research, I was just like, I, we, I just, I don't know. And she was talking about how they come and do home visits, which totally understand, you know, they come Mm -hmm. and kind of observe you in your environment, make sure that it's a, you know, it's a good home. It's, you know, all of that, which is fine. Um, but it's just like really invasive, really expensive, a really long process. Um, so at the time that, again, that was when we first moved back here and that was, you know, close to five years ago now. Um, it just, it wasn't the right time for that. Yeah. So I don't know, it's something I still kind of thought about, but we haven't really talked about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but now going into this new job, um, that is something that they offer as well is adoption. So it's something that, you know, once I kind of get settled in my new job, I might kind of explore. That would be cool. If it's, if it's meant to work out, it, it will. Um, yeah, like that's, like, that's really interesting to know that they have that because not a lot of places do, I think, I, I think like if, if they're like a hip, like with it company, I feel like, yes, but I feel like that's still a benefit that isn't wide, like widely popular. So I'm very intrigued that where you're going, like offers that as a benefit. Yeah. It's, um, it's, 
it was really interesting when she, cause so when she had mentioned that to me, when I first was like doing a phone interview that like out of everything else that she told me about the job that stuck out to me the most. And I told Lex about it and I'm like, she told me they have adoption assistants. He's like, really? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I wonder what that means. It's like, I don't know, but I'm going to, you know, if yeah. this ends up panning out, we're going to look into it. So that's cool. Yeah. Because what, I mean, I think it's just whatever the dollar amount is, but whatever you, whatever you incur as part of just what that process is, they'll reimburse you for that. So obviously you're going to, you're likely going to have to pay out of pocket first, right, but right. then, um, yeah. So, because that, that's like what the company I was with did. So that makes, that makes. that's a really cool benefit. That's cool. Um, so there was, there was something that you posted on Instagram when you were talking about like infertility and I, and I absolutely like want to be sensitive to you. So it's like, if I ask you something and you don't want to answer it, like, please don't feel like you have to. Um, but one of the things that like, just kind of made me sad to read is when you said, I think it was something about like you feeling ashamed. And I was just like, my God, why would she feel ashamed? Like that, that just like, it just was like, was not like a knife in my heart, like for you. And, and that was just something like I wanted to ask you, but again, I want to be sensitive to you. And if you don't feel comfortable sharing, like, please don't feel like you have to. Oh yeah. No, if I post it on there, then I'm (laughs) willing to talk about it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think feeling ashamed just mostly because I can't give my husband a child. Um, I can't give my parents another grandchild. Um, Lex's parents don't have any grandchildren. Um, so to not make them grandparents, like that's where that comes from. Um, it's not really for me. It's for every, yeah. everybody Um, so that's that side of it, which I never like, it never really shared that before that. Um, because, you know, I talk about how I'm just sad for us that we can never have a child and so many other people out there going through the same thing that, you know, would be fantastic parents that just can't have kids. Um, but it's not just about me. So, you know, I just, every time I think about it, it's not just that I can't have a child and I can't be a mom. It's that Lex can't be a dad. It's that, you know, my sisters are not going to be aunts. It's, you know, my parents are not going to have more grandkids. Um, so that's kind of where that stems from. Um, it's about everybody else. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. And I, and I understand, I mean, to, to the best of my ability, I think is just, it's kind of mourning the experience that other people aren't going to have. Right. But the thing that I know, you know, is this isn't within your control, Right. you know? And I mean, all I can say is like, 
there are like so many things that we could feel crappy about that we do or that we don't do that are within our control. And not that I like advocate that either, but this is something that's like completely like you have no control over this. You've done everything that you could do to figure out like why. And you didn't really come away with any answers. So I get that that's like super frustrating, but I mean, I'm pretty sure like people don't look at you and point fingers and say like, oh, she couldn't, like, she couldn't give us a grandchild. Like anyone who knows you, like knows how much you love kids. And if they did say that, then I would just say they're big assholes. And, you know, like you, you wouldn't want them to be like connected to your kid in any way, shape or form anyway. Um, but just like, just be kind to yourself because like I said, Tina, like this is just totally without like outside of your control. You know, and I mean, like, dude, I quote him all the time, Sven in Frozen 2, like you feel what you feel and your feelings are real, like all the time. Um, But I don't know. I just like, I just felt for you. Like when, when I saw that and I was just like, it's kind of like um, when I had Milo, I had a C-section And I just never thought anything about it. Like, I was just like, okay, he's, he's measuring bigger than they anticipate. They don't want any complications. This is the safest route to go. And I was like, cool. I don't have to go through all that pushing. (laughs) Like, okay. And I was like, oh, and I'll go in with like my eyebrows done. So at least I can look good at the pictures. Well, no, I mean, I started having contractions and so none of that happened. Uh And, um, you know, like the doctor came in and she was like, well, you're laboring. Like naturally, do you want to not do the C-section? I'm like, well, no, the first reason was we were afraid that something would happen to him. Mm-hmm. And the second is like, I'm not going to have to go through all that. So no, let's just go ahead and do that. And like, I never felt any less than like, I was just like, this is how I brought my baby into the world. But it was really interesting because after I had him, I somehow got connected with a a few people on like, I think it was Facebook at the time that were expressing feelings of less than-ness because they had their child via C-section versus like a vaginal birth. And that just like blew my mind. I was like, they didn't feel like they were as much of a mom. And I was like, wait a minute, like, are you telling me that this woman who adopted this child is less than, is less of a mom than this person who had a vaginal birth? Like, like none of this makes sense to me. And it was just so like interesting because it's like my mind had never even like gone there. Mm -hmm. And so like that, that shame, while it was like completely surprising to me, I do to some degree understand because I think so much of us is like women is just like, well, that's just what you do. Like you, you have babies and, you know, you get married and you have babies because I know on the flip side too, there's also women also feel shame for choosing to not have a child. Right. And so it's just it's so interesting, like just how our mind just like messes with us. And 
I just like, I just want to encourage you. Like, I know like you're going to feel whatever it is you need to feel, but just like have kindness and compassion towards yourself because it's, it's not, it's not helping you. Right. You know, and, and it's totally like outside your control. Exactly. And that's one thing I try to remember, especially when I get to those points where I'm just like, you know, seeing another pregnancy announcement or, you know, whatever the case may be, where it just kind of like triggers me. I'm like, I don't have control over this. Like it is what it is. I'm still as sometimes upset as I get, you know, when some of my great friends are, you know, having babies and stuff like, you know, it's still emotional for me, but I'm always happy for them to, you know, be bringing a miracle into the world and, you know, for me to have another baby to, you know, spoil and visit and all of that. Um, but it's just hard sometimes to like get my mind in that space. Like I can't like what, there's nothing I can do about it. So either. Yeah. And I feel like there, there are those things. I feel like, like, I don't, I don't like the word triggered because I, like I said, I find the word triggered triggering. Um, (laughs) but it's like when, when we're triggered or something like hits us in a certain spot, Mm -hmm. like it's just, to me, it's just like, Hey, you need to pay attention to this, you know? And like, why is this little eliciting like this sort of reaction or response in you? And I'm like, for you, I I just think it's, and I'm not trying to play this down at all, but it's just like, you're hurt and you're sad and you're disappointed and you wish you could have something that seems to come so easy for so many people. And you wish you had something that comes easy for so many people who don't seem to really appreciate and understand the value of what they have, that what was given to them so easily. And that hurts. And like, all of that's like, okay, you, and, and I think it's beautiful. Like you can be, you can be sad and you can be disappointed for you, but at the same time, it's like, you can also be happy for people, but at the same time, I'm like, I just hope that you give yourself like that, that space to just feel whatever it is you need to feel like not push it aside, just like feel it, acknowledge it. Because a lot of times that's like what I found, like all I need to do. Right. And it doesn't make it like go away, but it's like, it's not like trying to beat my head against the wall to get my attention. It's, it's just like that little, for me, it's just like that little tap, like, okay. Okay. And it's just like, okay. Like I, I know, like, I know what's going on. Well, it's interesting too, that you say that because during like when COVID like first, first started and um, people were just starting to like move to working from home and all of that. So we, my, my center never shut down. We were open. And so we had like no kids, all these teachers, everyone's kind of like, worried about, you know, this sickness mm-hmm. going and all this stuff. And like, no one really knows what's happening. So, um, I was really <laughs> frustrated because we were not closing down. We we're still, I remember that. I remember. Yeah. I was just so like, why are we open? Why are these children allowed to be here that are so susceptible to like 
everything. Like I was just worried for them and these families. And, you know, so, um, I had some good friends that were texting me and one of them was like, you know, I found out that I'm pregnant. And this was on a day, like I got sent home early or something that day. And I was just kind of in the middle of like, not really knowing how to feel about like the whole COVID situation. And then I get this text from a friend and I'm just like, I just lost it. And like, I couldn't respond because I was just so like upset and angry and like frustrated while I'm like, you know, super excited for, you know, she's somebody that I love and like, it was just so like such a like crazy thing in my mind. And I had to call Lex immediately. I'm like, he's like, what's wrong with you? He thought something happened. And I'm like, I just don't know how to feel right now. Like, I'm just so upset. And I told him what happened and he's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, do you want me to come home? I'm like, no, you coming home is not going to do anything. Yeah. To, like have these feelings, get it out. And I think it was just like a buildup of kind of pushing it aside. Like you said, you know, and not really feeling anything about it for a while. Cause it's like, you know, it is what it is. And I've just kind of like been living with it for eight years. So it's like, you know, whatever, but like every once in a while, there's just something that happens that reminds me, like, you know, it's still a real thing and, you know, I'm allowed to feel however I feel about it. And, but I need to like express those emotions for however long I need to. And then usually I'm okay after that, like I'm okay. And, you know, it'll pop back up again at some point, but like, I just let it build up so much that I couldn't even respond to my friend. And I felt like a terrible person. I felt like a terrible friend. So I gave it time. And then I had to text her like a week later. And I was like, I'm so sorry for not responding. I feel like I didn't seem very excited. Like this is what's going on. I was like, totally honest with her. And um, you know, she's like, I didn't think you were a terrible person for, you know, whatever. Like, I'm like, I know, but it's just how I feel. And the way that I reacted was probably not like, not me at all. It's just, you know, it's just how I was feeling. And it's you just being human. Exactly. I mean, really? Like, I think we, I think we have these like expectations of ourselves. Like we have like the, this ideal version and then we have like, this is, this is how like things happen sometimes. And I think all of that's okay. And I just think having that grace and kindness and compassion for ourselves, like, I think it's so important. And I feel like often we are toughest, like on ourselves more so than most people would probably be. And, you know, I can tell you when I, when I was pregnant with Milo, um, I was out with a friend that I hadn't seen. Oh my gosh. in like almost 20 years. Oh, And so we went out and we went with another friend who knew I was pregnant and I didn't, I didn't drink. I got a mocktail and she was like, it's not like she'd ever been out with me like a ton. I hung out with her when I was like 22 or 23. (laughs) And then she's like, why aren't you drinking? And I was like, and, and she's like, are you pregnant? I'm like, yeah. And then she was like really excited. And she's like, why didn't you take, because then like our friend, Cheryl, she was talking to her. She's like, you knew. And Cheryl's like, yeah. And I said, because I just, I, I didn't know what the right thing to do was because I just, I wanted to be sensitive to her 
but that like, she was bummed that I didn't tell her. And so it's like, I feel like we always try to do the right thing, but it's like by right by like whose definition. And I feel like my point in that was, I feel like when people know about someone's challenges with getting pregnant, I think there is just kind of like this automatic, I would hope kind of grace given, like knowing that I know this person's experiencing challenges here. So if they're not, you know, like, Hey, let me throw your baby shower. Like that's actually not about me. Like it's, it's about what this person's experiencing and I'm happy to hear like your friend responded in that way. And I think again, it's just, there was so much going on. And even if there wasn't like, that's still okay too. Like, this is like something that's sensitive to you. That's totally okay. Right. And the people that know you, like they get it, you know? Yeah. That's the thing too. Like, I feel like I don't want to be that person to where people have to like walk on eggshells. Like I'm normally when there's not, you know, all this crazy stuff happening in the world. Like I'm normally super happy for people. I'm like, you know, like I said, I'm always excited and, um, you know, but yeah, I just don't want people to feel like they have to be like, like they understand what's going on. They know my situation, Mm -hmm. but like you could still tell me things. And like, you know, I don't want, it to be like secretive or like, oh, we don't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah. But, you know, but I know that that's probably hard for other people to navigate to. Like, what are we supposed yeah, to Yeah, it's 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 hard. And so, like, as you were saying that, I was just like, then just communicate that to people, you know, and then ultimately what they choose to do, like that's their choice. Right. You know, and I was I was talking to somebody today and I just said, like, why can't we just like communicate like why can't we just say like whatever it is we're feeling that's what I love about kids is that they don't have like those (laughs) social expectations impressed upon them fully yet and so their their intention behind things most of the time is to like not be mean. It's just like, they're just curious. They just ask, they say what they feel. They don't have any concern about how it's going to be perceived. Like they just don't have all the messiness. I feel like that comes with being an adult. And I was telling my friend today, I'm like, why can't we just all be like that? Where we stop assuming things, where we start, we stop second guessing everything. Like we're just, you know, like we just say what it is we're feeling. And like, that's, that's it. Like there's no no hidden agenda. And I'm not saying that that's like what any of that is, but it's just, it just reminded me of that conversation. But ultimately I'm like, just if that's how you want people to feel and you feel like they're feeling otherwise, then just say that. And again, if they choose to act in a way that's different than that, then that's like their thing, not yours. Exactly. Relationships are just complicated, no matter what. And then you throw in stuff that, because everybody has their stuff. It just, it just makes it more like that Avril Lavigne song back in the day. <laughs> um. Okay, so let's see. 
the adoption thing, like you guys may or may not look into that, but ultimately like, it just sounds like you guys are just like, you're good. And if like a kid comes into your life, then a kid comes into your life. And if not, you guys will just pet your dogs and take pictures and drink beer (laughs) and and do wine. Like, cause you, you do like, you help out at like a wine thing, right? Yeah. So, um, we have some really good friends that have a winery and, um, they were opening up, they closed down one location and opened in another. That's more of like our like wine area of Monterey. Um, and so when they were getting ready to open the other one, they asked me if I wanted to work out there on the weekends. And I was like, you guys realize like, I'm not a wine, like snob, like I like wine. And I know what I like and why. And, you know, that's my personal preference. But like pouring people tastings and like telling them about what it's supposed to taste like and like what you're smelling. And like, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm talking about. And they're like, you don't need to know all that. Like that just comes with the job. And like you're pouring the same wine. So the more you say it, the more you're going to get used to it. So, um, so they unfortunately opened in March of 2020. So, mm. um, they weren't able to actually be open. So I was there helping them like, cause there was another winery in their spot before and they like almost gutted it and redid the whole thing. So I helped them with a lot of that stuff. Um, and then once they were able to open, I trained. And so now like about twice a month, I'm out there doing the wine thing. I pour wine and, um, I actually really love it because it's the complete opposite of what I do every day. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're you're with kids. I yeah, <laughs> serving wine is probably yeah, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the adults can act like children, and you know, yes, that that <laughs> I know all about, and sometimes I'm probably guilty of that too. So, <laughs> but for the most part, it's really fun. So I get to talk to people and like, I know you know this about me, but I'm really introverted. Like I'm a very quiet person and it usually takes a lot for me to like get the courage to just talk to somebody. Um, so this has kind of like pushed me out of my shell a lot because I don't have a choice. Like I have to talk to people and I want it to be a good experience for them. So you know, we talk about the wine, but then I'll ask them like, you know, are you guys visiting? Are you local? And then it usually opens up a conversation and, um, just makes the experience fun and we kind of connect on a more personal level. So, um, that's been a lot of fun for me and it's really, really gotten me out of my shell. I'm good. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. And I feel like that will help you in your new role with the new, with the new job too. Yeah. I agree. That's, that was probably the one thing that like scared me the most about this new job is it's kind of the same thing. I'm going to be talking to a lot of adults and, you know, yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of like, it's financial stuff. So it's not, you know, nothing that I, you're not playing around with any of this stuff. stuff. So, um, you know, so yeah, I feel like that's gonna, that's gonna help me with that a lot too. So. So I think everything, everything happens for a reason. I just feel like sometimes when we're in like the thick of it, like it's hard to have that perspective. And I think like, that's what I shared with you too, you know, with that Instagram post, when you said, you know, it's like, why, why is this happening? And I'm just like, I, 
I don't have a good answer, but maybe it's just to help people feel less alone, you know? Yep. So. That's true. Yeah. And that's the one thing, um, you know, I try to share, I try not to like share it too much because I don't want people to get like, oh, she's whining about it again or whatever. But um, I just want to share it enough to where people, if there is someone else that was in my shoes and we first started going through this, um, that they don't feel because like I just sit on Facebook and like people would post things about getting pregnant or you know we're trying or just had a baby or whatnot and like it would just bring me to tears because I had nobody to talk to about it and I didn't really want to talk to anybody about it I guess just because I didn't know I didn't know anyone else going through it I didn't know Mm -hmm. what other people would say to me about it like what kind of advice I would get so I just kind of sat in silence and just dealt with it myself and that was probably the worst thing I could have done just trying to share our story and um you know, just what we've been through and even our choices that we've made. Cause you know, that's another thing that I sometimes feel like not guilty about, but just kind of feel like, man, like, I feel like a lot of other people would choose to like go through IVF or have a shot mm-hmm. or whatever, because they want children. Like I want children. I just, that's just a choice we've made. So, um, I get that. Like, I, I feel like you always have those people like, there's always going to be someone that's like, oh, well, you don't want it bad enough. Right. You know, whether it's like a child or weight loss or whatever it is, like, you don't want it bad enough. And I hate it when people say that because that's not true. And if people like actually just started, if people were open-minded just to realize like, that's not what it's about. And everybody has their own life experiences that have shaped them into the person that they are today. And that like plays a very big part in the decisions that they make and the way that they think. And it, it just is like, it, it just is. And, and just because someone else makes this decision doesn't mean that that's like the right decision for you. But I think that that's a really good point because I feel like, that's what I would think too. Like, is if I was like, you know what? I just, that's just a lot. Like that's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of stuff physically that I have to go through. And it's just, it, it's just not something that makes sense to me right now. Right. And it doesn't, there's no level of like how badly I want a baby. It's just, right. that just doesn't feel like the right decision for me. And that's all that matters. Yeah. So I understand that. Yeah. yeah people a- are always going to judge you. People are always <laughs> going to have an opinion of you, regardless of what you do, whether it's like have kids, don't have kids, you have kids, the way you raise the kids, like the people are just always going to have an opinion. Trust me when I say that. And, um, <laughs> people's thoughts and opinions, like on your life, they only matter if you decide that they do. Exactly. You know? that's been the hardest thing, not just with this, but just like in general in life. Cause I've always been one of those people that like, I don't like confrontation or drama or like, I kind of just want everybody to not necessarily like me, but I just want everyone to be okay with me. Mm-hmm. So, um, like people's opinions used to matter a lot to me. Like 
I'd want to know what people are saying about me. If you're talking bad, why? Like, what did I do? How can I fix it? And now it's to a point where, you know what, if you don't like me for whatever reason or a decision that I've made or a choice that I've made, that's fine. Like, you you don't have to. And, you know, if that's what you think about me and then you're different to my face, that's fine too. Like, I don't need to know what you think about the decisions I've made in my life. Like that's what I've done. And, you know, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm like, I'm proud of you. I think it takes, it takes a lot, I think, to, to get to that point when you are a person that typically cares about what people think. And, you know, when you said like, if someone doesn't like me, if they're talking like, what did I do? What can I, like, how can I fix it? And, you know, instantly I'm like, okay, well then instantly you're assuming that it's something that you did, that it's about you. And I grew up that, that same way, you know, and some, sometimes, you know, what? sometimes I do do stupid shit. Like sometimes I do. And that's just, that's just me. Um, but then other times I'm just like, no, like, people just don't like me. Like I'm not for everybody and that's okay because truth be told, like, I don't like everybody either. Like I respect people as human beings, but there are people that I just don't like. And so if I don't like certain people, I can't expect everybody to like me, you know, and people's opinions of me. Like I started noticing that, gosh, I mean, really, when I started to let go of like my mom and like her opinions of me and what I was doing, um, that is kind of when other people's thoughts and opinions of me started to fall like lower down on like how much they mattered. But it was interesting because like, I think I kind of had this realization maybe six months or so ago where it's like, I would do something And then I would like, and I knew like Eli would go and talk to his parents or whatever, just like normal conversation. And I'd be like, oh, like, so what did your mom say about blah, 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 like something that I did. And then I started like, and sometimes like it was nice feedback and sometimes it wasn't. And then I was just like, why am I doing this to myself? Right. And ultimately like what I'm doing, it doesn't matter if she approves of it or not. Like. I'm not 10 and it doesn't matter. So I've gotten to the point where it's like, I've stopped asking that. But when I thought about it, it's like, that's what I always saw. Like my mom doing It's like, Oh, what did that person say about me? Like, what did they think about what I did? And it's like, I was just repeating that, that cycle, just completely unaware that that's what I was doing. And I only realized that like six months ago, you know, <laughs> That's so interesting. And, oh man, my, my mom is an interesting person, man, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just like all, like all the stuff that we grow up with it, it just, it plays, it plays such a huge role in like how our minds like work. And I'm just, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for just stepping outside of your comfort zone in so many different ways. And I'm just really thankful that you came on to talk about this because I know somebody that needs to hear it is going to hear it and they're going to feel less alone because of you. And I, I just want to say, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I just want to say thank you to Tina for 
being willing to have this conversation with me and to talk about something that I know is so personal and just want to give her props for allowing herself to be vulnerable. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I feel like it's so important for people to feel a sense of community. Um, And again, consciously, we know if we're experiencing this or really any sort of challenge or struggle, we know that we're not the only person experiencing that. While the situation itself may be very specific, the overall feelings and emotions um, that are tied to this incident um, or this experience are likely not unique. And so when we're able to connect with people that are having a shared experience or a similar experience, the sense of community that really just is created organically can be so therapeutic and healing. And I hope that you gained something from this conversation that I had with Tina, whether it's something that you have personally experienced or, or are presently experiencing, or, you know, someone that has experienced this or is currently experiencing this and trying to work through it. I hope you gain something from this. Um, If you know someone who would benefit from hearing this conversation, please send this episode to them. You can share it pretty easily. You usually hit some buttons and click on share, and then you get a link and you can text it to them, or you can share it in your stories on Instagram. I think we're at a time where people want to feel connected to other people. And if we're struggling, that sense of connection can make all the difference. So if you know of someone that would feel better hearing this conversation, again, please send it to them. If you are listening and you have a similar story, or you have a story about an experience that you grew from, that you learned from, I want to know if you want to share it with me. And if you feel like others would benefit from listening to your story, I want to provide that space for you. Please reach out to me at Awaken the Extraordinary on Instagram. You can send me an email, Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I at awakentheextraordinary.com. We learn through storytelling. And I believe we all have so many stories that others would benefit from hearing. So if you have a story like Tina, maybe not Tina's story, but your own story, your own experience that you want to share with others, I want to provide space for you to do that. So please reach out to me and um, I'm looking forward to connecting with you. I appreciate you so much. And I know I say that at the end of every episode, but I really do. I know that there are so many other things you could be doing with your time and you're choosing to spend some of that with me. And that means everything to me. It really does. So I wish you a wonderful day and I encourage you to stay kind, stay compassionate and stay curious with yourself and others. And I'll talk with you soon.